You know what this means? In a world of nothing, of barren hills and cracked earth, and once proud oceans drained to sand, there will still be a monument to our existence, bleached by the sun perhaps, and blunted by time, but everlasting. Because this man represents all that is eternal in the human experience. The courage to stand for a nation when all others fail or turn away. The strength to recognize the value of freedom and to accept its cost no matter how great. Through the curtain of the aurora, a comet blazes to herald his arrival. And his victories shall be transcribed into every language known to history, including Klingon. TC and Jake. Still really bothered about how they did Kobayashi, but, you know, got to move on at some point. Well, I mean, he didn't take it just laying down, right? Like, I mean, he showed up and got arrested, which is dope. Yeah, no, I mean, well, just further illustrates that you should have done him that way. He's a true G. He should be respected as such. It's kind of like if Barry Bonds would have showed up at Cooperstown and left in cuffs. How that would be so fucking. I know. I'm saying that's great. how we should regard that. Yes. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Fucking. I'm only leaving one way. <laughs> <laughs> it's either in or out with the cops. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is that is that on today? I think so. Yeah. I don't actually watch it. There was a time when I did, but it was mostly, I think, when I was spending this weekend or, you know, holiday with my dad. And he's like, well, look at this. Yeah. This is crazy. Or if you were already that. watching Around the Horn in PTI. Right. And it just yeah. came on after. Yeah, I think I had uh, Sunday, of course, was the Austrian Grand Prix. Mm, okay. So that was on, and then that went to uh, dogs. Now, now you're talking. That's real racing. Well, the kid loved it. You ever been to a dog race before? She's like, holy shit, this is like the thing you watch, but with dogs instead of people. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, yeah, fair. So what has been your uh, firework intake thus far? Uh, well, we, we've been in Granberry, so we've seen some, um, just other people doing it. That's it. There, I, I don't know. You know, you'd think that like being more out in the country, it'd be real easy and you'd feel great about it. But we're in like a pretty, you know, suburban style neighborhood. It's not like they're building the houses real far apart when they're on the, the, uh, the shore there. Um, so it feels like a pretty big dick move to shoot off anything here. But as far as like an established, I don't know, city or otherwise. We'll go to the Granberry one tonight. Okay. So we went to one last night. Nice. It was uh, the North Richland Hills one. Go back and to your roots. Very much so. I have a, a friend who lives over there and they have like a really nice backyard and their house is kind of like elevated so you can see 
you can see the show very, very well. That's good. And um, there's definitely a lot of nostalgia there. Like it takes place um, in the parking lot of – it used to be a ponchos. Okay. I was thinking it would be that on the border where you uh, you and Larry brawled in the parking lot. Um, that wasn't an on the border. That was a – It certainly was Tex-Mex, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah, because okay. it was like a little gate. Yeah. It wasn't on the border. You guys threw aside the piping hot flour tortillas to get yes, to get did. to each other. What was that place called? It's not open anymore. Abuelas. Abuelas. There you go. What recall? No, this is over by uh, like the uh, Blake is very familiar with this because of play by play, like the Birdville Coliseum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it's like it's Whataburger yeah, tournament. Exactly. I think if you look it up, it might actually be Haltom City. But anyways, um, so we had there was some some murmurs uh, heading into the night that North Richland Hills was trying to set the record for the largest uh, Independence Day drone show. Okay. It doesn't feel like one of those cheapo records, you know? It was fucking incredible. That's nice. Like, I wish you would have been there. I would have liked to have seen that. That sounds wonderful. It was, so if the whole show was like an hour, it was probably 25 minutes. Like the front 25 minutes. Mm -hmm. And it's just. Hour is way too fucking long. Yeah, but I think if you pad that with the drone, which people are not like, you know, your dog isn't panicking. Kids aren't like just going ape shit. You're kind of just like looking at it inquisitively. Just any you know, kind yeah, of right, non-narrative entertainment is not going to hold my attention for an hour. Drone show had a narrative. Okay. It's not, you know, it's not up to the moving pictures level. Yeah. And uh, like the first thing that Kristen said, she was like, boy, those are loud. Yeah, you always are a little surprised by how loud they are. There's like 400 of them up there. That would be very fucking loud. And it wasn't that far away. But it was like, they were doing like historical American, you know, they had like George Washington crossing the Delaware. Fuck yeah. God, God, that's great. And they eventually like got to like the Blue Angel F-18 Hornets, like yes. in formation, like, <laughs> yes. ro like rotating and zooming across the sky. Jesus Christ, that's good. I know. I know. And uh, it just made me think, and, I, and I'm positive we've talked about this before. Like the concept of fireworks is really just like, it's not that different from sports and that it's like, Okay, well, we don't really just like kill each other all that much anymore. Not like we used to anyways, right? So we have sports as like this physical competition that in some way is a proxy for war, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I've always thought of fireworks as kind of the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Like look at how badass this stuff we can do with artillery is and beam at it without knowing or while knowing that no one's being murdered you know, on the other end of this. And it's just interesting that drones have followed like the exact same format. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A technology used for death that can also yeah. be used for entertainment. And that's kind of where they are now. 
all of it's just a little bit of a, you know, hey, China, if you're watching. Yeah, for sure. You so know, I, I, know, know right? I know we're all having fun right now, but <laughs> I could turn these around in two just seconds, know. bud. Yeah. Wouldn't be a thing. So was there ever a place called Birdville? I think a long, long, long time ago. Okay. Like uh, first settlement in that area. Okay. Um, wonder what I happened. Wonder how it died out. Grandfather might have been the mayor. Mayor of Birdville. Yeah. I bet he would have some answers about my questions. Do you have his phone number? Well, he's dead. Oh. Yeah. We're uh we're sorry for no podcast last week. I, I, I'm I not. can't Okay, well I'm sorry for no podcast last week. When's the last time we had no podcast in a week? I mean, we're supposed to have two. We're, you know, got a uh not written but understood contract to do two and we're not 100% hit rate on that but as far as going 0 for 2 in a week that's got to be certainly years yeah and it's funny too because uh Kristen and I were actually talking about this like the number of dumb places that I've done IJB from Mm -hmm. Prague things of this nature of course, yeah. Like I'm just sitting there in Thailand, and I'm like, I gotta knock out a, I gotta knock out 45. Yeah. She's like, Why? Why do you need to do this? I'm like, I just love the game, you know. That's really what it comes down to. Um, but yeah, I mean, the biggest factor it was not TC's fault. The biggest factor was it was having both kids for four days. I mean, I'm ready to. Yeah, I'm always wondering what's my part, you know? I just think that's a productive mindset. Yeah, and I appreciate that, and it's helpful, but in this specific incident, I don't think it was anything. It was just, dude, man, I don't know. If my wife dies, I'm giving one of them up for adoption. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, if you let me have, have my pick, I'll, I'll take one, but I don't even know which one I'd pick. I mean, I guess for Izzy, Ooh. it would definitely be Nora. Izzy yeah, loves Nora. That might be like a, a scorpion issue, you know, where if you keep them together too close in the same tight spaces, they just start. But yeah, yes, yeah, uh, yeah, Nora yeah. talks about Izzy all the time. They're good <laughs> she's friends. Pretty, she's pretty obsessed with her. Yeah, they're both cool kids. And most of her like supreme recall memories involve Izzy. That's great. Like, Always like, love the kid supreme recall memory. Oh, dude, Nora's is, and I don't know how it stacks up like against, you know, average, but Nora's is um, concerningly strong. (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, they got those fresh, non-abused brains. Yeah. That's, that's half of my panic over mine, surely. It's just watching her be like, just seeing someone who can remember everything. Although, uh, hilariously, uh, the only word she knows for things that happened in the past is yesterday. So, like, yep. something that happened six months ago, she'll be like, yesterday, you know. You, we have uh, the opposite problem where the only word that Nora knows for the future is today. <laughs> yeah. It's like, we're going to the beach. And she's like, when? Today? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, ah, no, but. Like a month. Sure, fine, whatever. Um, but, yeah, dude, it's 
and I know you get tired of this, and I get I get tired of saying it because I sound like a a failed dad, but it, <laughs> it's really hard having both of them here. Like trying to schedule, especially like Nora's got like occupational therapy, and it's it's hard having both of them here. So it's my fault, is what I'm saying. It's fine. Um, not and Martin sure. Shkreli was on Legion of Skanks. That took like two hours of my time. I still haven't listened to that. Dude. I need to. It's just right now, you know, this is prime time for Simmons and Rosillo breaking down free agency. I just hate, I'm going to uh, act like I didn't just hear that. <laughs> I, I just hate that I'm like 50% smart. Yeah, you'd rather because, be zero or 100. Because at 50% smart, you can understand the concepts that people are talking about, but you can also be swayed very easily. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And I no. think Shane's in that same boat because, like, at minute 10, he's like, God damn it, Marty, don't make me love you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I was kind of thinking he was making good points, too. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm skeptical, but I, I haven't listened yet, so maybe I'll think they're great points. I think his general thing is like, I'm like a hateable proxy for uh, just something that every other drug company's doing. Yeah, but it doesn't make him unhateable. It doesn't yeah. make him unhateable. It's just like, you know, you watch golf and there's a commercial for this or that. These are my words now. And it's like, you don't think of when you watch that, like that company is predatory and horrible. I do, but... I, I take your point. Yeah, yeah. Just like the general American public who happens to watch Lester Holt, you know, at five o'clock and is like, look at this little shithead. Yeah, no, there's definitely a certain thing where like uh, the thing that he did that is illegal in the eyes of the people enforcing the law is not like the actions, but it's like he wasn't dressed the way that people that normally do that are. And he didn't, you know, he didn't look and act the way that people who normally break those laws do. Uh, and so they're like, ah, yeah, you can't do that. Like if, yeah, because, if he's just a, a 80 year old dude, you yeah. know, just like what, and does the exact same shit, like, does it get in, you know, is, is there a criminal enforcement behind it? I or if he were like a, not only an 80 year old dude, but like sworn to service yeah, via an election. Yeah. But you know, we digress. Um, while we're talking about childcare, I had a, a childcare topic that I wanted to bring up with you briefly. Love it. So I was listening to uh, Matt Brunig. He was uh, on the the Brunig's Patreon. They'll publish uh, times that he's on with other people. So I think it was uh, Unlearning Economics, I believe, is the name of the podcast that he was on. And uh, they were talking about um, you know common topic amongst people discussing welfare state issues. Uh, childcare centers where, you know, like it's, it's basically like uh, elementary school, but like it starts when the child's life starts. Or I, I don't know about exactly what their thing is. I would certainly feel weird about taking my kid in the next day, <laughs> but uh, you know, what, whatever is the, the line for uh, what, you know? Um, and uh, Matt was saying like, uh, it's a, it's a bit of a feminist issue because it means that women can return to work faster, you know, like it took, like, cause that's, that's definitely like, uh, I've, you know, like you, the whole business of 
this would be a, this person would be a great hire, but there's a big ticking bomb down the road of like a year, whenever she's not going to be here. Um, you know that that's that's an impediment. And so if you've got these viable childcare centers, it uh, it makes it so the the women can return to the workplace faster. It's a it's a win for women. It's a win for feminism. Um, but then, like, uh, who are they dropping the kids off to? Just more women. And so, like, then from like a uh, sexual equality or gender equality standpoint, uh, you know, you, you're wondering what to do with this. And I'm, whenever they're describing it that way, I'm like, yeah, it is kind of fucked up. You know, that we're like, okay, we could get this woman out of doing the childcare, but like, we better have more women behind her. You know, like, they they just can't escape it, you know. As as a as a group, we're we're going to to force this on them whether they like it or not. Now the people at the childcare centers probably do like it. That's why they applied to the job. So you know that's that's worth considering. Um, but I was I was starting to be like, yeah, it's kind of messed up though. I'd I'd like to see a more egalitarian situation. And then I uh, for one second thought about dropping my uh, six month old off to a dude. No fucking way. <laughs> they, they, you should absolutely not let like how fucking weird would you look at one of your friends if they were like yeah so i'd be you know, watching six month olds it's an age-old question i think uh i think once upon a time bob and dan got themselves into some at least email hot water over this like as like uh like p1 third grade teachers weighed in <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and of course, it's a sliding scale. Yeah, right? there's there's a line somewhere, but but boy, I feel comfortable on the you know tiny children. I know, and it's it's weird too. Like you know, it goes back to something that I think we, you and I have talked about. I don't think we have talked about this recorded, but I can tell it's anecdotal. It's case by case. Every single disclaimer I need to put in there, dude. My son is way different than my daughter. Yeah, like. It, it took a while to present itself, but, like, he's a fucking monster. <laughs> like, he wants to hurt himself. And so, just like if we're talking about the very touchy topic of, like, biological differences. But then I guess the flip side of that is, like, are we just conditioned to think that females are what percentage better at, like, youth care and particularly, like, if we're talking about, like, 18 months and, and under. How much of that is, like, real and how much of it is just, like, you being, like, uh, well, yeah, what would your friends say? Yeah. And no, I, I, I don't mean, know the answer to that. I mean, right now at uh, the Montessori, we have a – there's a male teacher in Nora's classroom. Mm. <laughs> Fuck you. Uh, but that's, like – three to six year olds like i i thought it was great uh whatever it is he was i i've enjoyed every age you know like i i the whole child rearing thing i a plus it's my favorite fucking thing uh and so like would i enjoy possibly this sort of work i i think that i might but like i'm not doing it no way I'm doing it. Like, you know, like, I just, but that's my point though. We all, yeah, yeah, I understand. But like you live in that world, that's the world you're in. And so like these guys that are like, I don't care. I just want to be around them that much. Yeah. I don't trust those guys. <sighs> yeah. And I don't like personally know any of them, 
But I don't know. See, the weird thing, too, is like, this is going to sound creepy, but I think part of it was just like the way that I was brought up. Like we, my mom was always like the the family or neighborhood nanny. Mm-hmm. I always felt like really comfortable taking care of small children. Like even when I was a small child, like they were just around all the time. Yeah. Like my aunts and uncles, of which there were fucking nine of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like they had, you know, uh, they had kids very early and they were always at our house. And so I just always was like, yeah, I mean, I don't know. But I'm like soft, you know. And I think like predisposed in some way to like some sort of an empathetic, which I think is what you need for small kids is like just understanding like they're not, they don't know what they're doing. So, but I'm with you though. There was no point in my life, even though I I thought like, uh, I think I'm probably pretty good at this. There was no point where I'm like toddler care. Yeah, As a so career. It's, it's, it's either a dude that's missing all of these social signals, which like I don't love that. Also concerning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, or, yeah. Or one who just blew past them. And yeah. in either way, I don't feel good. Yeah. I, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm the problem. I'm I'm certainly open to that idea. But <sighs> Okay, so then what's the line? Like you drop her off in second grade? Yeah, I don't I don't, I don't know. I mean, like, like I'm just thinking about it. Like if 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 she went into pre-K four, she was in pre-K three last year. She's done with pre-K three. She's got pre-K four coming up. If I get to the school and there's a dude, the most I'm doing is grumbling. I'm gonna do a lot of grumbling. But like I'm not asking the school to move her. I'm just gonna grumble. So But, but why even grumble? Like is it I just love the grumble. I mean, if I get a good chance to okay, grumble. Okay, you're you're a good grumbler, but okay, so then when you keep going up, you know, the ladder, you know, in seventh grade, seventh I guess grade, for you wouldn't s- care. Sixth grade is different for a lot, you know, what counts as junior high, but like we had, I mean, half my teachers were, were male. Yeah. Yeah. By, because by they were school, involved, yeah. they were involved in the coach industrial complex. Uh, most of my male teachers weren't coaches. Mine were. But yeah, no, there was, there was a couple coaches. Mine, I, all but one of mine were. Yeah. Yeah. Even in high school. That's a tough thing. Mr. Long. Mm-hmm. I think I've told you this before, but I got nominated for some award. And I had just like... Kind of in a, I had kind of in a haste listed him as like my favorite teacher. He taught uh, AP economics for half a semester and AP poli-sci for the other half. Uh-huh. I know about that. And... uh he went to the ceremony and I didn't. Oh, Jake, why? I don't know. I was just like, I don't know. Fuck. I don't, I, I didn't know he was going to go. Yeah. You guys should have talked about it beforehand. You would think, yeah. Since you had that Maybe close relationship. Some recon would have been. your favorite teacher. He was very good, but I'm like, I, I, yeah. why would I want to go to this? But that's the only one I can think of that wasn't a coach. And that's like extending through high school. And those dudes were like, I mean, they barely had brains. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, you, know, you look at it like a, a male middle school teacher just isn't, you know, that's fine. I don't raise an eyebrow at that. I don't think anybody thought, I mean, I still kind of do. 
to expose my own priors, but I don't think I really started thinking about it until like maybe 10 years ago when it started becoming like a very mainstream news topic to be like, this guy's fucking 14 year olds. Like I'd never considered that. Yeah. What do you mean? Uh, Cause you had a, uh, you know, uh, school. that <laughs> was eighth grade. You're right. Yeah. Well, no. Okay. So the one you're talking about was high school. Yeah. 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 But you had another one in eighth grade. Uh, this is and a great you, story. And you didn't conceive of this? <laughs> I want to hear the story. I didn't conceive of it as being like an actionable offense. Because you were so... Does that make sense? Like, like when you see it, it, you were yeah, like, well, the, th- the thing that they were doing all around me with no consequences all the time, now people go to jail for that? Yeah, that'd be okay, a surprise. Okay, so here, here's what it was. It's that the the way the news reports it now, it's like they actually had sex or they actually had sexual contact. Uh, contact. And I never thought of that before. I just always thought like, yeah, these fucking old guys are horny. The whole hands. So what it was, was <laughs> I've told you many times about the difference between seventh and eighth grade shop class. Uh-huh. Seventh grade was shop class. Saws. Drills, uh, uh, boring holes. Mm-hmm. Eighth grade was, uh, I think they call it. Quick timeout, quick timeout. Yep. My yep. brother got into a sheet metal accident. Now he can't um, bend his finger back all the way. Like his, he can't hold his finger, his pointer finger straight anymore. What happened? Uh, he like just, uh, he, he works in, I think it would be very misleading to say he works in construction. He That's works because in, you're a jerk. Give him a little he credit. He works in telling other people how to cons- to do construction. That's still working in construction. Sorry. I just don't want the listener to think for a second that uh, he's raising. Uh, what, what, you know, I mean, no, I guess he got I, I don't close think you're enough. that concerned about the listener. I think you don't want him to think that you think that. <laughs> Uh, you got, he, I guess he did get hands on enough that he, he just sliced his finger open on a piece of sheet metal. I think that it was like a rounded duct. He was like reaching into the duct or something and just fucking, it's a gnarly cut. It's long. So is it like a tendon issue? I guess that must be it, but yeah. I mean, it's not like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That has to be it. Yeah. You, you, you must've fucked up the tendon that's running through his pointer finger and now he can't hold it straight. It's fucking gnarly. Uh, but yeah, sorry, shop class. So uh, when we progressed from seventh to eighth grade, um, that's when it became shop tech. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's when we got the internet. That's when we got... That's where it started going downhill for you. I honestly... I honestly don't think that's the, that far <laughs> off. <laughs> like that's when it was, you know, pull up the guy with uh, elephantitis. Yeah. And pull up the guy uh, that, you know, Saddam Hussein shot in the stomach and pull up this woman having sex with 10 people. Mm-hmm. I was just like, man, it's a big world out there. <laughs> uh, with at least 11 people in it. But but the thing is, is that we had the same teacher. <laughs> That's nuts. Yeah. Like they didn't. I know you told think me this before, part. but yeah, everything's yeah. a he, surprise to me. He was an older guy uh, who was. I mean, he was a Vietnam guy, you know? Simply nothing like an old shop teacher. 
Yeah, of it's course, right? Like everybody knows the guy I'm talking about. A hundred percent. One of the yeah. guys uh, at Excel, like uh, they would just kind of, he, the, he was the one that let us out of the dorms in the morning and like sort of uh, made sure that uh, breakfast went smoothly. He was the husband of one of the administrators, but he, this was his retirement job after retiring from being a shop teacher in Houston ISD. Of and course. The type is so strong. Probably a mustache. But yeah. like you all know exactly the guy I'm talking about. Spent the rest and of the day fishing once he was done with us. Yeah, so they gave this guy the internet. <laughs> yeah, don't give them the internet. <laughs> this is like again, this is like 1997, 1998. Actually, I remember it being 1998 because uh or maybe it was 99. When did Columbine happen? It was 98, right? 99. 99. A time when there's a lot of porn on the internet, but the adults don't really know it yet. See, okay, that was May, so maybe that makes sense. I just remember there being like a couple of big news events that we heard about, like on K one hundred four. We we had radios also, mm -hmm. like we would just listen to the K one hundred four radio uh, morning show on the radio while just surfing through murder porn. Love that. So they give this guy the internet, and the only thing that we ever really saw him do was somehow he. I think he had a, I think he must have had like a digital camera that the school provided. Mm -hmm. That was going to be part of it, right? It was like learn how to create images and I don't know, modify them. It, it was yeah. shop tech. You were, yeah. you were setting up yourself for a career in a design. We had a video camera, mm -hmm. like that sort of thing. Tripod. Yeah. And he would just print out pictures of this one girl in our grade. <laughs> oh, no. No. <laughs> I'm That's the this. only thing I remember ever seeing him do. Oh, my God. Yeah, but I mean, again, he was like. What a pained existence, dude. He was like 65 or 70. You know, yeah. so at no point were any of us like, oh, he might hook up with her. Yeah. Does that make sense? <laughs> Yeah. Like it wasn't a real thing to us. It was just like, oh, this guy's just like an old it feels an old man. He's, it he's feels old, slightly he's a less funny old man. Less dangerous, but much more sad. Yeah, and she was like 13. Oh. I mean, it was eighth grade, dude. Like she yeah. might have been 14. And in <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> and he let you see. Like, well, I mean, it wasn't like he was parading the images around. I it was know, more that he should it be was hiding this. No, he was not. He should be very ashamed of what he's doing. It was more that he was just like, like not rushing over to the printer. <laughs> oh God, dude! Do you know what I mean? I'm he had a very home? he had a very lackadaisical approach uh, to everything. I don't see what the problem is with this. Yeah, I mean, I took a picture. I'm printing it. Oh God, Jesus yeah. Christ! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What's she up to? I don't know. She wasn't at the reunion. Um, unsurprisingly, based on the context clues you have about this story, uh, I don't think she finished high school. Oh no! But you know, maybe it's a she, real curse. Maybe she finished somewhere else. It's possible. You know, there's so there's a lot yeah. of benefits to being attractive in life, but uh, boy, I don't know. Like, uh, 
I guess I'm not going to say any of these people's names and there's a 0% chance that anyone could like put this together by what I'm about to say. But for some reason, I was thinking about like I, I one of the kids I went to excel with, I just I often have occasion to reflect back on his life. He's a special person that I met and like uh, you know, whatever. Um and uh his mom I gave her like a she like toured the place. So like, you know, I I spent a while like, you know, an hour walking you hosted around with her. her. Yeah, being like, you know, this is where we eat lunch. Um and uh so I I got a decent idea who she is. And I think I might have like shadowed one of their visits. And then his dad uh came up a lot in uh in like the times when they were yelling at us. Um because he, you know, uh, led a lifestyle similar to the one that had got us in in there. And I don't know, man. Like, I just, I don't know anything about these people. You know, like, I, I don't actually know their lives from the little bit of hanging out with them that I've just outlined. But so, like, a lot of this is just, like, me guessing. But, like, I guess, you know, if it didn't happen to them, certainly you could see how it happened to someone of just, like, they're... I, like this this woman by dint of being attractive was destined to uh grab the attention of like all the dudes in in the impoverished neighborhood that that she's you know hanging out in and like of course it was going to be the biggest scumbag you know like that like like the fucking you know they're 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 like the uh lions on the uh, on the open plain you know like uh She's she's the 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 prettiest uh, you know uh, of the the female lions. So like whoever rises to the top of the uh, the pride here, like which is going to have to be the biggest shithead, you know, like you, <laughs> right, you, yeah, you, the kind of risk taking behavior that's going to get you to the top. Like that's that's the only way it happens. And so like pretty much when she was born pretty and born there, it was just guaranteed that she was going to have this giant fucking shithead ruining her life for the rest of the time that they had together. Uh, and I don't know, man, it's just, it's just a bummer. I, I, I don't, you know, like maybe I'm being too pessimistic. Maybe that's not how it is, but like you, do you see the outlines of what I'm saying? Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, this is, uh, the, the basis of what Dan and I call the Shiv Roy debate. And some people might even call it the gin, Jesus Packy Christ. Debate. <laughs> that was uh, one of my favorite moments in the offline podcast history was whenever Dan called me to uh, explicitly say, I don't know what Jake's talking about. I never said Jen Psaki's hot. Well, I think he had some follow-up text that at least indicated that she, the point is the line. <laughs> the li- It's not hot. The point is like the line, right? Yeah. Like, where is the line? And honestly, um, I mean, I think what I'm saying here is there's situate, like if you're born into the right place, you can be as hot as you want. You know, like Margot Robbie is not like regretting how attractive she is. Yeah. No, I mean, of course. And, and if you get funneled into the right, like vocation, you know, that's part of it too. But, but I will tell you, like as someone who's recently been to a reunion with a lot of people who are near 40, Mm Mm-hmm. The people who seem to be doing the most well, and frankly, at this point, look the most well and healthy, were not that attractive 20 years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could see that. Like, their life just unfolded 
a little bit differently. And you know, you'll see this on on social media from time to time from just random people that somehow show up on your timeline and they'll post a picture of themselves 20, 25 years ago, and you're like, I don't how did this person turn into but anyways. It is crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so the shop teacher does this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then in high school, there was the one that we've talked about. There was one guy, but he was like... The coach who was bragging about it. Like, you fucking oh, nerds yeah. couldn't bag her. Oh, yeah. But for some reason to me... Um, Did he offer to let you smell his fingers? Uh, Explicitly, no, but he was definitely a smell-my-finger guy. <laughs> yeah. And, and honestly, she was like... There was a list of about five people I was hoping to see. Because I think they got married. Oh, I hate that. I mean, he definitely <laughs> left. Really his, he that. definitely left his wife. Jesus Christ! And at the time, he was probably like forty, what like thirty-five to forty. You know, he wasn't like a a recently out of college coach. Uh. But even then, I was like, ah, oh, man, that guy sucks. I didn't view it in any way. To go back to your original point, as you like, didn't call the cops. Of course not. But I didn't view it as like a male educators are a problem. I never made like this full circle connection. It was just like, oh, this guy's just a dick. Until, you know, it started showing up in the media like all the time. And it was actually a decent. uh, I think we referenced Twiggy theory quite often. I feel like it was a decent turn of the uh, cultural tide when it was like, oh man, there's a lot of a lot of females having sex with their students now. Yeah, yeah, big surprise. No one, I wouldn't have predicted it. No, that was, I mean, no degree of the concern that I'm talking about had anything to do with like Miss Burke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the South Park episode does capture the uh, previous prevailing attitudes about this pretty pretty accurately. And, you know, we've talked about this before, but I, I think uh, – I don't think this is a case where that was happening all the time and we just didn't know about it. I honestly think that is a – that is one of the very few clear-cut social media cases. I think most things are like five things. Most things have, you know, so many different factors and interplay. I think – I think social media changed the game on the male student, female teacher game. I mean, it just offers such more avenues for communication. Of course. You know, yeah, yeah, unmonitored. The, yeah. The, the, the female teacher, I would get, you know, I mean, like everyone's different. Um, but you would think that, uh, you know, be, having a further chance to like get to know someone privately is, is a real boon there. Now, I yeah. will say uh, this is a, a fiction book. But that is not uh, what is being presented in the uh, the novel Tampa, which I've read and which we had portions of w- uh, which read on this podcast before. Uh, that lady is just looking to do some statutory rape. But, you know, whatever. I don't know. It's not- She actually wrote that book, dude. <laughs> I can't believe the lady did write it. <laughs> just incredible. Like it's it's just it's just a high degree of telling on yourself. Like even if you're like, this isn't me. This is like you know it's like like one percent of me. You know, like even having that one percent in there. You know, like I I could be wrong, but I think most of the people I know couldn't really like if you told them like 
all right, write out what you think like the most fucked up person like in this situation would do. I don't think they could come up with it. I think they'd be like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, um, it's it's quite shocking. I had a historical fact that I wanted to share with you. Okay. Uh, Skillman, you know, of course know Skillman Avenue, major thoroughfare, north-south in the East Dallas portion of the city. I, I thought that was rhetorical, but yes, I do. Yes. <laughs> um, I found out that uh, it used to be uh, called uh, Charles Lindbergh Avenue or Char- Charles Lindbergh Street. And uh, whenever he and like, do you think about this? I just I love the the party spirit of what's going on here. So Charles Lindbergh, first man to uh, fly from uh, North America to Europe by plane, it was a thirty three and a half hour journey because <laughs> that plane was moving real fucking slow. Yeah, but uh, you know, Everett had been dreaming like from the first time that like you get a plane off the ground has to be you know I mean like that happens in America. If you're in America and like this idea of plane technology comes down, you're like, boy, I bet we could stop having to do these fucking boat rides. And you're like, that's that would be so fucking sweet. And uh, so he 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 pulls it off. And then launches like, uh, I think he goes to like 60 cities across America. And all of them like throw him a huge fucking party where they're just like, this is so fucking cool that you pulled it off, dude. And he's like raising money for the idea of aviation because like (laughs) they needed to back then. Like just getting people hopped up on planes. And uh, he gets to Dallas they throw him. Uh, I I think they claimed it was the uh, the first ticker tape parade in Dallas history, because Dallas is just a tiny fucking speck of nothing for so long. Um, By the way, as an aside, parade also one of those things that used to just be a military utility that we now are like love a parade. Oh yeah yeah yeah. I mean that's got to explicitly be. Yeah. It used to just be the troops. Yes. And then and now now we have some where there are no troops there, but that you know the original innovators would have been uh dumbstruck by uh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um and so uh so whatever the, whatever they're just all fucking hopped up. And oh and just talking about the city used to be a much smaller deal. I mean, I think everyone knows that, but like uh the extent is always staggering to me. Um, I found a picture, uh, I think it's in a UTA collection, um, that uh, it's 75 and Mockingbird looking north. And let's see, once you're north of Lovers and east of Greenville, uh, there is nothing. There is absolutely nothing. It is it's wide field. open fields for the rest of time. Uh, and like, you just think like, that's the heart of the city now, you know, like uh, that's a densely populated area. Um, but yeah, so that, and and the photos in like 1960 or something like that, you know, like the place that Kennedy landed to was, uh, barely worth visiting. Um, but, uh, so, you know, in, in its, in its, uh, it's, it's on the come up whenever Charles Lindbergh arrives, we're probably fucking stoked that he chose to visit here. Because, you know, large visitors in the past, how many presidential campaigns that just skipped right over Dallas? Because who gives a fuck? And now we got Charles Lindbergh here. So we're going to throw him a ticker tape parade. We're going to rename his street in his honor. And then uh, World War II comes. That's how, <laughs> that's how he lost the street. Uh, he was He was saying too many things. Like, uh, 
it's interesting the like kind of reconstruction of it now because his his big position was we should just stay out of World War II. Like it's not our fight. It's not going to be good for us. We just need to like steer clear of it. You know, like war is bad. And like, I guess, you know, like you can sort of squint and see the outlines of something there. But then in the course of doing so, you know, like you don't get to just like make your talking points. Whenever you're out in public doing this stuff, people are asking you questions. And he wanders way too close to, well, we don't want to get involved because uh, it would be a sure damn shame if those Germans lost. Uh, and he, he visits well, his Germany. His name is Charles Lindbergh. <laughs> he, he visits Germany a couple times. Um, and there's like a, uh, he has a diary entry and maybe this is like good PR after the fact or something. I don't know, but there's a diary entry. He visits one of the concentration camps after they're liberated. And, uh, he's, he, the diary entry, diary entry is basically like, listen, I have been clear this whole time about how much I hate him, but this is too far. Even I wouldn't wouldn't do the the jewish that's, people like this that's the good pr <laughs> yeah dude but i mean okay. he's, he's shaking his head at the concentration camps and being like you know this is too much um but uh in, in the wikipedia talking about uh like you know just laying out both sides of his of the case for was he anti-semitic uh, <laughs> he uh he would visit henry ford pretty often Henry Ford, uh, probably the most prominent American anti-Semite in history, uh, singularly dedicated to publishing a newspaper that was just like, here's a bunch of bad things the Jewish people did. I didn't uh, know that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Henry Ford used a large portion of his, his fortune to uh, advance just how much he hated Jewish people. Um, and uh, someone asked Henry Ford about Lindbergh's visit, and he said, uh, whenever he would come, we would talk about one thing, and I think you know what it is. You <laughs> <laughs> we were like, cars? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The ah. internal combustion engine. <laughs> ah, you know. Um, but yeah, so like uh, two days before Pearl Harbor, the, uh, the city changed the name of Charles Lindbergh Street. So, uh, that's just, that's very interesting to me. I'm glad that they did. Like he, you know, cause the, he was involved. Like you, I think that this comes up in the man in the high castle, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I never saw, I didn't watch long enough to see it. And then I'm trying to remember the movie that Taylor Swift was in that, uh, came out recently that was about the interwar period. And there was a time that like fascists, like there was key important people trying to do a fascist coup in America. And I think that Charles Lindbergh was like who they were hoping to install as the, uh, the leader of America. Uh, so Taylor Swift being in, in a movie is news to me. Uh, I don't want to give it away, but it's in like the very beginning of the movie. So I'm going to anyways. Um, she's in the movie, uh, to get fucking like, uh, brutally murdered by a, like a being thrown under like a carriage buggy. Mm. it's pretty tight so she did it for attention <laughs> no i mean i think that they're just like huh. we got taylor swift How in this out of movie. character what can we do i dude if you're a director and taylor swift says yes like wouldn't you think like the coolest thing you could possibly do is have her get disfigured underneath a fucking carriage fair 
Um, it's uh, David O. Russell. Uh, Amsterdam is the movie. It's a good movie. I liked it. Um, yeah, it's got Denzel Washington's kid. He's great in it. The aforementioned Margot Robbie. Uh, but yeah, so um, I just wanted to bring all this up because I think that it is occasionally presented as if uh, changing names of things or like objecting to people's legacies based on, you know, like whether or not they're, the, you know, changing ideas about their morality is, uh, of course, like a tale as old as time. You know, you've always got, like, it's not like cancel culture is not a thing that's suddenly happening and sweeping everyone. Sometimes you decide that Charles Lindbergh is too Nazi for him to be on your street and you change the name of the street. It's a normal process. Yeah, the funniest example of that that I can think of is, um, so I live in Grapevine, Mm -hmm. and I see a lot of billboards for mega churches. And at one point, it was probably three or four years ago. Maybe it was, maybe it was before that when we lived here the first time. Um, and you've probably seen these campaigns like online and stuff, which is the, uh, you know, who got canceled first? JC. Jesus. Jesus. Yeah, Pontius Pilate was canceling them big time. And the funny thing to me about that is the people who are making that point are often the the same people that are like, cancel culture is out of control. Like, this is a recent phenomenon. Um, yeah. How do we deal with this? Yeah. And it's like, no, I think you're, you're saying what we're saying, which is that for a long time, people who said stuff that generally people didn't agree with faced oftentimes unjust consequences. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... Which is it? <laughs> yeah, no, the answer is that the merits of every case matter. Like, the details matter, you know? Like, uh, you know, you got to know the specifics. Like, it's it's worth canceling some people. It's unfair to cancel other people. And people don't like complicated answers like that that aren't like a yes or no, but that's the case. But the unfortunate thing, though, is much like with the word woke, um you know, the people who would consider themselves left of center have completely lost track of being able to control the narrative around that term, right? I mean, yeah, it's yeah. it doesn't, I, even hearing you say it, I don't like it. Yeah. Like some people deserve to be, it's just, the really what it comes down to at the end of the day is the market. Mm-hmm. It's just, what is the market for your idea? And in present times, that means actual money you know like if what is yeah i don't know we all know this yeah it's there's there's nothing new here all right so i have like 10 minutes left and i wanted to run I something by you 10 minutes but go ahead you gotta go uh i mean i want to hear what you want to run by me so obviously uh you're very tired of talking about elon musk mm-hmm. about as tired as i was of you talking about uh kid rape like three months ago mm-hmm. but i indulged you uh, so pointedly, you did stop, but go ahead. <laughs> I did issue a moratorium at one point, yes. But, okay, so Twitter obviously has sucked for the past, like, five days. Um, I don't know. It's weird. Maybe we can talk about this, like, in a longer one on a Patreon this week. Like, I hate to be, oh, what if this happened during uh, an election or the Arab Spring or something like that guy? Mm-hmm. I'm not so much focusing on that, although I do think that's important. It's more of the, it's my understanding that we're all supposed to be very mad about the idea of social media companies 
like taking your data in a surreptitious way and selling it. Right, like we all saw the uh, what was the Netflix documentary, the something dilemma, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we talked Social about it dilemma. twice on here. Yeah, we did. In fact, you, yeah, it's very, it's interesting that you recall the fact that you didn't recall something. Mm-hmm. But so if that's the whole deal, and we don't want to pay for the service, maybe this is a better question for Matt. It's just like I don't really understand how these companies are supposed to make money. Yeah, yeah, no, of course, yeah. Like out of their, I, I mean, the, the advertising cannot be like that lucrative to where it's like, oh, okay. And well. the advertising is lucrative only to the extent that they've harvested your data to correctly predict your, predict your behavior. But do you not feel like the general narrative or uh, like cultural wave is, I'm not paying this fucking guy any money. And also, I think it's horribly unjust that he's like uh, taking my browsing history. And also, I want to use this every day with no limitations on it. And I'm in the back like I am for most Trump arguments where I'm like, yeah, this guy's a moron. Yeah, I can't believe he said that. When I'm like, I didn't know that. So I just find myself thinking, what is like the thing that people want for this to work? Is it, they, it do they want like some benefactor to come through and just like, pay untold amounts of money to run something that is unprofitable and make it run in a very efficient, effective way. Yeah. Maybe that's somehow possible, but, and I'm, I, I'm not pro Elon Musk, obviously like he's the, he's ruined my life in some ways because I didn't know that people that (laughs) dumb could be that rich. I know it dude. Without, without being like a Walton, yeah. Like I know his dad was rich and shit, but whatever. You you know what I'm saying? Like his I dad assumed... wasn't the richest man in the world. Exactly. He's gotten much more rich over time despite being a total fucking idiot. So like I, I, I wonder if we're like uh if you and I would live on Mars right now if he weren't involved in the space race. That's what I've taken away from the last couple months of Twitter. Yeah, I mean he's he's okay. So does my point make sense though that it's like Yeah, no, how is I think all they're this supposed to work. Yeah, they, they've got a very, like, uh, step one, uh, you know, like, you've just learned about these issues, take on it. Make if it work. If you have to, like, uh, hash out, you know, like, if you ask them a series of uh, questions, you know, about their beliefs, I think you could uh, pretty quickly make them realize that they're going to be forced to choose here. Uh, but I would also say, like, it's not like uh, everyone had no criticisms of Twitter before he bought it, but boy, it seemed a lot better. You know, like, it's not like it's impossible to run it better than he's running it. Uh, yeah, but it they were never making money, though. When, uh, he's made, they were making a lot more money than he's making. That's true, but I mean, I think that goes into uh, I mean, the they, made, they made enough, like, they built a thing that someone paid $44 billion for. They made a lot of money. Yeah, I mean, again, I think that was all like a lot of this stuff that we find hilarious is like these future projections. I mean, even look at ESPN. But, you right? know, like, they're, they're, they have the real money, you know, like he gave them $44 billion. They, it's in their bank account now. You know, I mean, some of it's probably like fucking stock or, you know, not not money money, but they made a lot of money money. Yeah, I, I think a lot of that is based on projections that I've never understood. And, you know, on the ESPN front, it's like, 
or even like the, look at like Bally Sports, right? Mm-hmm. Like they signed this new contract seemingly with no recognition that the next 10 years were not going to look like the last 10 years. Yeah. And that I, seems to happen a lot. I can't remember if I've made this point in the podcast before. I, I think I've definitely made it in private conversation with people plenty of times. Uh, just that, that, that was one of the biggest like uh, succession is real storylines for me. Yes. Of like, this is definitely, there's a guy somewhere who like just, you know, like his guys prepared all the numbers for him and he's too busy like partying to read it. And he wanted his name in the headlines, you know, like he wanted, you know, Sinclair to be like uh, something people were talking about for a couple months. And so he's like, yeah, fuck it. You know, maybe my, maybe my dad will recognize me if I buy this. Yeah. (laughs) And it turns out dad didn't care. And you met, you paid a stupid number for a thing that wasn't worth that. Yeah. And as a result, I can't watch the goddamn Texas Rangers. Luca's career is going to slip away without me seeing a fucking second of it because this fucking dipshit thought that it'd be cool to have a couple stories about him. And I'll close with this because I've definitely brought this up on the air multiple times. I worry that this is going to rob Otani. How so? Like he's worth $80 million a year. Mm -hmm. But like they don't have a TV rights deal right now. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. And like I think the the days of John Wall making fifty million dollars a year to play forty games and run around on a broken foot and not try, I <laughs> I just don't see how that that point is is sustainable. You know, like yeah, I don't I don't, uh, I don't know. know. I I I think that just holding the uh, like TV rights, the local TV rights to a thing is like declining in value but i don't know that like i certainly don't think that owning a basketball team is declining in value you know what i mean like the the tv rights is a large part of the revenue of any basketball owner but like you know there's a lot changing and having the one thing that people pay attention to is pretty fucking valuable and i bet i could figure out a way to make money off of it my prediction is that in general sports franchises and their value stagnate in the next couple of years except for football teams Boy, I'll, 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 I'll take the other side of that bet. Well, cool. What do you want to put on it? <laughs> Nothing. Nothing at all. All okay. right. Enjoy the jet skis. I'll see you. All right. See you. Later. That's it for tonight. The high school special is next. So until tomorrow, for everyone who's been a part of this one, I'm TC and Jake. We do thank you for watching. Good night.